I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astral Radio Z is a horror, cult, exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Terry. another fine episode of Astro Radio Z. You have come for more Puppet Master hijinks, and we're about to give it to you. Same crew of people, minus Amanda, are back on to talk about Puppet Master 4, Puppet Master 5, and Curse of the Puppet Master. So let's say hi to everybody. Angelique, hello. How are you doing tonight? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? I am wonderful. I've had a great day and I am ready to get all of the venting I got inside of me from watching these three movies out to the world. I'm looking forward to it. Are you? Oh, yeah. There's so much hate inside. So much hate. So (laughs) much hate. We have turned the corner. The first episode I knew was going to be like the howling episode last year, the first episode of that, where we kind of universally liked those movies. Well, okay, I can't say that. I know some a couple people here didn't particularly like two of the movies, but the first episode of The Puppet Master, we all liked them pretty well. I think from here on out, oh boy, oh boy, this is this really <laughs> dicey. So uh, thanks for coming on again, Mr. Mark the Movie Man. Welcome. Derek, oh. you know, you know, I, I have to say that the things you make me watch are amazing. Well, well there's this isn't violent shit. No, actually, you know, <laughs> I I almost wanted to watch violent shit again. That's that's where I was at after watching uh, a couple of these. So well, surprisingly, Mark, we have gotten a lot of response back about the last episode, about the violent shit one through three. And I've had multiple people offering to send us violent shit four. no so way. Prepare yourself. Oh. I may be getting that pretty soon. Oh, hell, I'm down for that. I got to see violent shit four because I'm a completionist and I want to see. I saw just from that clip. Hell yeah. Bring on. Bring it on. Um, but first we've got to get through Toulon's uh, turd look forward to some more violent shit coming soon I want to thank everybody that's been writing in to say how much they enjoyed us talking about those shitty shot on video films Um, we'll be doing more so keep listening Seth Paulin how you doing I uh, had the flu for the last week and I think running on about three hours of sleep a night and rewatching these was the perfect recipe for enjoyment just completely out of my mind while watching this bullshit (laughs) (laughs) oh and scotty d hello 
Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Um, first of all, I guess, but, I, but in your defense, I'm going to say that uh, before I came on to this show, I was watching uh, Police Academy 3 for Mark's show. So he's talking about the things he that you make him watch. He's got some balls. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Police Academy 3 is a marvel of cinema. Come <laughs> <laughs> well, on, oh, on boy. Because... <laughs> no, no, I'm doing all right, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. All I can say is Mark was complaining to me because, of course, while Mark watches these movies every year, he's got to text me. live text me the entire time. I'm at dinner uh, with Amanda. We were out having a nice little dinner and Mark is, is live texting me all his all the puppet master goodness the entire time. And literally halfway through puppet master four, he's like, there's no titties in this movie, are there? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I said, well, you better batten down the hatches, boy. There are no titties in any of these fucking movies. He live, he live, text, he live texted me during part six. <laughs> like a coping mechanism we see now. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. And Mr. Glenn Bittner, how are you doing, my friend? <sighs> I'm Boy. doing fine, Derek. Well, this is going to be wonderful. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, 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 wonderful. <laughs> Last but not, Mr. Daniel Edenfield. How are you doing? Uh, can't complain. Uh, Dan and I just started talking today. We're going to be bringing on the Night Keep, his podcast, onto the Astro Radio Z Network. To start playing alongside all the rest of the wonderful podcasts we have going on. So, Dan, you want to give a, a quick elevator pitch to the people about what they can uh, anticipate for the night keep that they'll be seeing pretty soon? Just talk about horror. That's about it. I focus on <laughs> horror. So. Anything indie, because I just I'm big on that. I'm tired of the the gatekeepers and so you know the so-called gatekeepers of what's cool and what isn't cool and whatnot. Well, fuck that. I do. I focus on indie people, indie creators of any any ilk. If you're a filmmaker, if you write a book, if you make games, if you make tabletop games, if you make those cool little Etsy earrings, it's, I don't care. It's just indies are the ones that innovate. And since I'm an indie and I'm just kind of tired of, you know, sitting back waiting on something. So fuck it. We're going to plow on, push forward, and we'll just make the mainstream come to us eventually. And if not, we just have a blast doing it. So. Here, here, man. I, I love the podcast because it also showcases a lot of the music that that you create. Yeah, I mean, that was the main point. It is. I'll just to be honest, I love the podcast. It's cool, but it's not my first and foremost passion. If I knew how to talk, I would be a radio host. Uh, the only way I really know how to speak is through music. So I like using the podcast just as a vehicle for the music. That way I can do anything since I'm crazy and always jumping tracks and shit anyway with whenever I talk or my subject matter and stuff. So, I mean, one minute it'll be death metal and then the next minute it might be some retro synth wave stuff and hell, I did a chiptune episode. So, I mean, it's just anything goes. <laughs> I can't wait for people to start listening to the Night Keep. Dude, I'm stoked. I want my shirt. Where's my Astrovic <laughs> shirt? I still don't have... We've been talking about making that uh, I Survived the Witchcraft films with Astro Radio Z <laughs> for years. Maybe this might be the year because we have to now in March, March 1st is the pre-order for the next three witchcraft movies. 
Oh God, I saw that. I can't wait. Puke. Puke. <laughs> I hope you guys listened to the last episode where Mark and I plotted out how we were going to get around all having to pay for the new <laughs> witchcraft movies. <laughs> I did actually. He's <laughs> brilliant. Mark is a brilliant, brilliant man, regardless of what everyone else says. He's a brilliant, brilliant man. And with that, folks. Let's stop hobnobbing and uh, rubbing each other's underside. And let's start talking about Puppet Master 4, the demon that came out in 1993. In a hotel on Bodega Bay, a team of researchers will discover a secret. The trunk. Stay with the trunk. Beyond their imagination. For the moment, the secret of my magic and my puppets is safe. Maybe that's the formula Toulon wrote about. Wait a minute, how can liquid animate these guys? Maybe they just need a little gas. A power that a demon... Showtime. ...will kill to possess. The magic that gives my puppets life was stolen from a tribe of ancient Egyptian sorcerers who pledged their allegiance to the demon Lord Sutek. Now, the wonderful story of the further adventures of our titular puppets goes like this. A puppet demon from hell sends three mean-spirited totem puppets to the world of the living to destroy anyone with the secret of artificial animation like Toulon's puppets. After taking out a group of scientists trying to figure out artificial intelligence, the totems go after the Bodega Bay Inn and a young researcher named Rick. Rick, who happens to have an unexpected group of colleagues, all looking to be 20 years old, show up for a weekend visit. Uh, the puppets show up finally, and the totems begin trying to not only kill them, but anyone in their way. This long, convoluted sounding setup was brought to us by the wonderful Jeff Burr, who happened to direct the next two films he directed puppet master four and puppet master five because they were shot back to back back in the in the early 90s there was a craze in the indie film i should say to be able to kind of conserve on a budget if they got any money they uh, they would shoot films back to back uh trauma did it with uh toxic avenger two and three 
Puppet Master did it with Puppet Master 4 and 5, and there were a number of other films of the same ilk. What would happen? The first film would have all the ideas and all the fun, and the second film would always be a rejected retread that was boring (laughs) and not worth your time. And it isn't any fucking different here. (laughs) So Puppet Master 4 starts off with a scene where we are in this other world with with a demon puppet that looks like a reject from Rock and Roll Nightmare. It is known that those in the upworld are close to discovering our secret. The secret Andre Toulon stole from us those many years ago. We must send our children to protect it. They will punish those who try to uncover our world. Our secret. Our power. Yes. Remember that wonderful stick puppet that uh, John Michael Thor and that wonderful cod piece is fighting at the very end of Rock and Roll Nightmare? Well, the puppet demon here doesn't look that far off. And he's it's in this other dimension. We've never seen this before where there's a there's a bunch of trolls and little totem puppets. And he just walks around talking about how he can't stand that. Somebody is finding out the secrets of Andre Toulon. Now, Mark the Movie Man, what did you think of the start of this where we are transported now to another dimension? It caught me off guard, but I'm like, okay, well, considering the cover had the picture of the demon on it, it wasn't that surprising. What was what was throwing me off was that I could have sworn they said that these guys had the secret and they were trying to protect the secret from anyone who had it. But later on, we'll find out that that changes like 180 and they talk about that. They're looking for it. I, I'm like, what the hell? But to this scene, uh, the design and the, the vision of the pool, I'm like, okay, uh, you know, actually, it, it kind of starts off a little strong. Something actually happens, which was nice. It, it opens up with something actually happening. And even with the, the cheap demon thing, I, I kind of like the design and, and the, the world that they had. And even, you know, how it opens up with a, a kill and we get to see the guy from RoboCop in it. So, you know, <laughs> and Leslie is the hot scientist who doesn't have her top ripped off so i'm like these are some lame demons because demons demons always tear the shirt off of the woman it's just a standard so either they missed the playbook or these are just some weak ass demons i don't know but uh i was disappointed at that but at least it opens with a kind of a strong kill and an interesting visual that takes you back going oh okay this is going to be some different shit Yeah, I thought, you know, it was interesting that we were finally delving into the world of the puppets themselves, as opposed to a bunch of shitty stock uh, psychics that had no point in anything. So the beginning of this film actually got me really jacked. Dan, what do you think of the beginning of this? I love it. I mean, this was, I guess, hindsight's always 2020, uh, unless you're me. Then it's like 36, four, but still, I love 
these movies. This movie, when I was a kid, when I think Puppet Master, like this is the one, this is, <laughs> it's either this one or the fifth one, because I couldn't remember having watched them now, that was my favorite. And it's the setup. I guess it's comical, but I love it. We got Sutek, which, you know, just as a kid, it's like, wow, what the hell kind of name is that? And, you know, you've got this other dimension and as it progresses, you know, you find out. And if you had seen the other ones, you know that this like has to do with some ancient Egyptian magic thing. Now, sure, he looks kind of really cool, actually. But I just I thought it was cool. And put it from a kid's perspective, I was just going right along with it. It was like, OK, cool, I can dig it. <laughs> let's let's go. <laughs> it's yeah, I, I really think that they were probably going for a more kid audience because honestly, this is a pretty tame movie. Scott, do you think this is a lot tamer than the first three flicks? I think so. I mean, aside from the design of Sutek, who kind of looks like that, you know, that 60 year old got the body of like a 60 year old guy who shouldn't be into BDSM, but he is. And his and his head looks like kind of like a big scrotum. Well, and he also has oh, yeah. humongous nipples. Yeah, he has these gigantic nipples that will that hang out and stuff like that. Aside from the design of that. I mean, let's be honest. These movies, <laughs> when we were teenagers and we said, oh, I love Puppet Master, like, there's always kind of, people kind of looked as, like, nerd, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> it's not, so, I mean, they, they knew their audience. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's a weird start to the movie. Um, you know, it completely changes our perceptions of it. But when you were full moon, you could kind of get away with that stuff. By this time, you were getting anything that had the full moon or puppet master brand on it and i'm like yeah okay let's do it but the movie yes fifth one kind of ramps it up a little but the fourth one yeah was the tamest of the puppet masters that we had seen i'd say i mean i wouldn't go so far as to say it was for kids but the kills really weren't that graphic and it's almost like it was they were gearing up for the fifth one because by their own ad- admission this thing was so padded because i mean you, you know the, the history of the movie and stuff like that you know what it's what where it came from so it's, it's almost like it starts out kind of like they're building into a comic book style franchise which you know charles band had said that's what he likes doing but it's you know the way that they're building it up with just it had that feel because they've already established all the background and at this point, they're kind of rewriting it, but okay. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, surprisingly sorry, enough, yeah, no, surprisingly enough, he actually was trying to build it up in that way um, because this was originally meant to be Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys, which could be a little bit of an explanation as to why we get introduced to this Sutek character and the totems. Um, but he, they were building these up to Puppet Wars. Which yeah. because um, Pu- Puppet Master Four and Puppet Master Five were supposed to be the last two films of this series, and then it would all get rolled into this other subsequent series, Puppet Wars, which never happened because, as uh, Scott had alluded to, they lost Paramount mm-hmm. after uh, Puppet Master Five. And also, this was supposed to be a much bigger movie. This was not supposed to be two straight-to-video movies. The original plan, uh, if you don't want me going into this right now, I don't know. Okay. Uh, The original plan was that 
this was just going to be one movie budgeted at like four million dollars, which was like the biggest budget Full Moon had ever seen at that point. And it was going to be theatrically released as Puppet Master the Movie, and it was going to be uh, directed by Charles Band himself. Because uh, they of, of certain things, I don't know what they did. They did release a theatrical film, Shrunken Heads, uh, by Richard Elfman, but uh, I don't know what happened, but they decided cut to save money or whatever, and they changed their mind and said, okay, no, we're going to do two movies. Jeff Burr got a call on Super Bowl Sunday to, hey, can you come in the next day? I'm going to offer you these movies. And Jeff Burr had like two to three weeks prep to before they started shooting these movies uh, back to back. So when you like see at the beginning, there's five writers listed at this thing. There were three writers for Puppet Master the movie. And then when they realized, oh, shit, we're not going to do that, they had two writers come in to cut the script down the center, then pad each one. And he says, like, the scripts made no sense whatsoever. They said they, they made absolutely no sense. And he, they said basically what they did is they just worked their hardest to try to make sense out of these script because, in the, his words, they were borderline incomprehensible. But – up until like the you know last minute, these this was not even supposed to be Puppet Master four and five. It was supposed to be a ninety to a hundred minute movie that was much bigger that was going to theaters, and then they just changed their mind at the last minute or something. Oh, surprisingly enough, even having said that, um, these films feel decently like the first three films uh not to sit and lump these two together we'll we'll speak about them each individually but i think it's important uh that we have this conversation about uh the fact that these were originally supposed to be one film and uh they kind of have a lot of similarities to them um I, th- I think that part four in general, before we start breaking it down, is kind of the last hurrah of the more kind of stylish, gothic style puppet master films. It feels along the lines of part one and part two way more than part three. It's it's kind of campy. It's kind of goofy, um, it, even to the plot where um, Rick our titular uh, scientist who looks like he's 18 years old is at the Bodega Bay. And then a new group of people come into the meat grinder to get killed by puppets. Um, It feels very familiar. And because it feels so familiar, um, it's brief runtime at an hour and like 14 to 16 minutes kind of just like breezes by. And by the end of it, you kind of feel like you haven't, really watched a film more than you just kind of gotten a recap, like almost like a remake of part one. What do you think of that, Seth? Do you, do you think this was a little too close uh, to the first uh, couple flicks? It definitely has the same feeling, uh, but I think the, the whole uh, kid friendly aspect was in there a little bit because the goriest kills come from the totems, not any humans. So you're not seeing a whole lot of people getting torn apart as you are other puppets. The totems kind of scurry around like wooden gremlins, do a little bit of soul sucking in the beginning. You get the rubber suit monsters, uh, the low rent kind of netherworld set. It's all fun and campy. And uh, it is definitely like the last bastion of 
good puppet master. It's silly and fun. Uh, it definitely does feel like the first one's kind of restarted, though, with a occult aspect to it. Like we had talked about the last episode where we had said that every uh, new film would introduce new puppets. You could tell that at this point they weren't going to be uh, bringing in any new puppets into the quote unquote group that we had come to know as, uh, you know, Blade and Pinhead and Leech Woman is nowhere to be found in this one. We have Tunneler. And uh, uh, Six Shooter, Um, they are the main group. They are now, in this film, turned into good guys. Um, They help out our lead character, Rick, once the totems show up and start wreaking havoc on the Bodega Bay Inn. Now, uh, Glenn, what do you think of the totem characters? I honestly thought that they had a great design and uh, the stop motion animation was really fucking well done, I thought. Of the totems, yeah. I thought the totems were really well done. Um, and I've always I've always just kind of, I mean, I've been a stop motion fan since uh, watching the original Sinbad flicks when I was a kid. And I just, you know, it, I think they, they did them very well. So we have uh, Sutek and the Totems are the main antagonists in this film. And I guess the only other new puppet that comes into the fold is one called Decapitron, which uh, looks like a metal-headed Andre Toulon from part three. Now, Angelique, what do you think about Decapitron? I hate Decapitron so much. Why do you hate Decapitron so much? Why so much beef with Decapitron? Oh, because his oh, the stupid Toulon superimposing and the stupid lightning. Lightning's not how you bring these things to life. It's the juice. Come on, man. It's the juice. It's the drugs. Uh, and the stupid robot monster 3D lightning helmet bullshit uh god no <laughs> why are you so angry about oh. decapitron it just pissed me off because i mean in in the the puppets in this one you could definitely tell that they took a hit on the motion it was just uh, uh, uh. you know they weren't doing shit they weren't running around being crazy like they were in the first three and and to have this stupid you know Oh, look, they're pulling on a cable. <laughs> Zap. Whatever. Fuck off. <laughs> oh, man. That got pretty, pretty angry. <laughs> I was, I'm just, you know, like, like we were talking about the budget for this. These two, I guess, was supposed to be gigantic. They could have done some really cool shit. I'm thinking Decapitron. Oh, he's got guillotines for hands and runs around chopping heads off. Yes. No. No. He takes his own head off after it's been Toulon's ghost or whatever the shit and, and puts on a, a diver's helmet. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> he, re- he reminded me of that He-Man action. Remember the He-Man action figure, Manny Faces? Yes. Yes. Where, where you'd like to push on his head and the face would switch around. And now he's a lizard. Now he's a robot. Now he's just a dude. It kind of reminded me of that. And 
which always like was something where you heard about it and you thought, oh, this is going to be so cool. And then you actually see it and you're like, oh, jeez, Christ. No, that's (laughs) exactly (laughs) how I felt, Scott. It's like you see this this, uh, leather-bound puppet and yes, I'll agree. Toulon's head is shittily superimposed over top of it <laughs> as he as he tries to warn everybody about you know Sutek and the totems and their nefarious plot to kill them all. I am with you. The magic that gives my puppets life was stolen from a tribe of ancient Egyptian sorcerers who pledged their allegiance to the demon lord Sutek. He and his watchers, his followers, will stop at nothing to guard their secrets. They are committed to your death and the deaths of all your followers. Project Omega. You have discovered the magic. Use it to protect yourself. Guard the secret. What secret? The frequency. Wait, wait, what, what frequency? Numeric sequence, the energy of life. You are very close. The magic is in the formula. Um, but when he goes and takes off his head, I'm like, oh, and he puts on that huge head with all of the like the prods like uh, that that would collect the the lightning or whatever. I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be cool as shit. And then. Nope. 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 He's nope. so weak. Yep. It's because he didn't use the juice. Uh, it was supposed to be this end all be all puppet and just took forever to kill anybody. Just send Tunneler in there and tunnel his ass. Well, I, I, I think they should take Angelique's advice and they should freaking have guillotines for hands. Right? Decapitron. What do you think about Cutting shit awesome. off. But no, well, zap. Uh. And it's, it, it's unfortunate because in both Puppet Master 4 and 5, they end with Decapitron changing his head to the electrode thing. And, z- and zapping the fucking totems to death. Yep. I just love it's how they got- not talk about these together. It's really hard to not talk about them together because they almost are the same movie. Jeff Burr thinks of them as one movie. He says it's kind of like Kill. He says, think of it like Kill Bill. It's basically one movie. But they just split it in two. Yeah. Except but- Kill-, Kill Bill didn't open with like 38 minutes of just playing <laughs> the first one. Yeah. Puppet, Puppet Master 5 is the Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 of the Puppet Master franchise. Oh, no, it is not. No, nope. it's not. Just nope. wait. <laughs> you just wait. Oh, God. Eat those words. But, you know, I love how they got Guy Roll to redo his thing. I just love the story of it. Um, like the first ones I was listening, there's not one for Curse of the Puppet Master, surprise, surprise. But I was uh, checking out the, listening to the commentaries on the Blu-rays for the four and five. And he tells this great story about Guy Rolf. He says, well, I'd love to tell you how like great it was that we got to know each other, but I barely saw him. We did all of his work in like about two, three hours because they needed to get him uh, from... They get, need to fly him in from Spain. As soon as he flew, Guy Rawl flew in from Spain, because, you know, he was the star of part three for the listeners there. Uh, he holed himself up in like a Holiday Inn, and he said, okay, I am not coming out until I get my payment, and, you, and, and it's in cash, and you can slide it under the door. And I thought that is perfect. He knew what kind of movie he was making. He knew who he was making it for. 
So he says, I'm getting my money up front and I'm getting it in cash. <laughs> yep. I had heard these stories about how half of the crew almost walked out because their checks all bounced. Mm-hmm. Oh, geez. That's not, wow. not surprising in the least bit. I never even knew that. No. Oh, my gosh. Yep. That's this was around the time where things were taking a turn for full moon. So these last these two films, four and five, these aren't the last two films of the series, but these are kind of two of the last films from the the golden age of full moon pictures. And you can tell that this is kind of like the last hurrah, because this will be probably the well, it is the last time that you would see any David Allen stop motion animation in these films, other than when they decide to repurpose this footage in subsequent sequels um, and not shoot new stuff because they can't afford to shoot new stuff. So you can kiss that goodbye after these two. So enjoy it while you can. The, the stop motion animation on the totems is so good. They, these uh, puppets are very articulated, their heads, their mouths, their fingers, their hands, their backs. They have like bones jutting out of their backs, even though they have full naked butts sticking out in their design. <laughs> the most was, important piece. Yes. You, you got to make sure you, you get all of that ass in there, that puppet ass. Um, but they're very well articulated. Um, the The hero puppets. Not as much like Angelique said, as Angelique said, um, they kind of just bob up and down. And there's some there's some quality like uh, rod puppeteering in some of the scenes. But for the most part, all of the money went into the totems because a sure shit didn't go into Sutek. Jesus Christ. <laughs> they just turned ah. up Jack Lane. <laughs> Mark, what do you think in general about the puppet action in part four? Yeah, it's the you're right. It, they seem to put some effort into the into the little uh, demon puppets, but our our heroes definitely feel more like you can kind of tell that it's not stop motion as so much as someone off camera with their hand moving the parts. I mean, you get you get a few cool scenes. Like I think in the scene when Tunnler takes out one of the little demon guys, you've got uh, Pinhead wiping the blood off of uh, Tunnler's, uh, you know, drill. But it's not stop motion. It, it's someone in the back, you know, moving the arm up and down. Uh, they're they're doing their animation more real time, so it looks a lot more wooden, black for no pun intended and and just not as smooth as what it was in the first three yeah i agree absolutely not dan let's talk about the story itself so we have this 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 group of people that show up at the bodega bay in that uh, interrupt rick while he's playing laser tag to some shitty hair metal with trash can robots and really enjoying it Decide his girlfriend's pissed because she wants to get laid, but all he wants to do is play laser tag with the trash can robots. And then you have bootleg Buster Poindexter showing up uh, to do <laughs> nothing but talk shit to him. Uh, what did you think of the characters of this film, Dan? Okay, bootleg Buster Poindexter is a hell of a lot better term than I called him because I just had him written in my nose as the hair. 
<laughs> he was a uh, low rent vanilla ice in mine. <laughs> yeah, I said I said combination Rob Lowe and vanilla ice in mine too. I yeah. can't tell if I'm jealous or if I'm afraid. It's it's the hair. <laughs> Main character. I mean, for all intents and purposes, he looks fine, and I don't want to talk about anybody's. I mean, we're all just blessed with the same unfortunate looks that everybody has. But this dude. Seriously, you remember Johnny from Karate Kid? He looks yeah. like he looks like Johnny's special needs second cousin. <laughs> <laughs> and now, that was my first impression. I don't, I don't want to be asked because he's just a dude. He's just playing the part. That's fine. But you know, you have certain expectations, and then the first thing you get is that full frontal shot of him. And all I thought was Johnny, but. See, I I have an uncle who has Down syndrome, so he says words in incredibly cool ways. He's the coolest guy you'd ever meet, and that's all I heard from him. Johnny, like that. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, got to give my love to my uncle Barry. But uh, yeah, the, so the main character, I don't care. He's playing laser tag. He has one of those guns. I used to work at Kmart. One of my first jobs was at Kmart. We had those guns. It was like a two dollar bullshit cover your forearm laser gun thing and he's sitting there jumping around playing with little robots like he's some kind of big computer whiz or something i mean maybe it worked in big for tom hanks but it it wasn't really doing it here and then the hair shows up and well shit just got real i mean he walks into your house with a hair like that i mean what are you gonna do that guy's (laughs) whole purpose was to be a dick Like Buster Poindexter is a guy you're supposed to hate from the get go. And boy, is he fucking annoying in this movie. Another one that they brought. um, I forget her name, but they bring in another psychic chick. And I had mentioned this from the and Y'all even talked about this, how it kind of plays back to like the original puppet master or like the first three puppet masters. You know, and now it's you're doing the same typical setup. Full moon. Say what you will about the movies. They do this setup and they, they have used it and abused it just ad nauseum, but sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. The setup is where they bring the five or four people into a location and they do something stupid like use a Ouija board or summon a demon and then the demon runs them up and kills everybody. Full Moon, is they're notorious for this because as I was watching it, I'm like, God, I have seen this setup so many times. This movie does the same thing. We introduce a psychic chick, just like the first one, and then as in the second, if I remember right, like the second one, you know, and you just you have an unspoken magical element, supposedly. It's just unfortunate that even though it is there, it I don't know, just God damn it, man. Why do they call him Decapitron? Why isn't it Recapitron? Because he's not decapping anybody. He's Thank re- you. his own fucking head. So it's like, what you gonna do? What's your superpower? Who would take my goddamn head off? I'm gonna put another one on. <laughs> Boy, I didn't realize there was so much beef with Decapitron. Is anybody <laughs> gonna come to Decapitron's defense? Well, look, it's like, all right, I've grown up. Growing up, you watch horror movies. Then you know when the PlayStation era hits, and you get Resident Evil, and then oh my God, Silent Hill comes out, and they have taken dolls, mannequins, and dummies to a whole nother level. When you see somebody called Decapitron, and just like Angelique said, I mean, I want guillotine for fucking fingers or something. I mean, he's got to have like a saw blade dingling that spins around or something cool. It's like (laughs) saw blade dingling. Why not? (laughs) You're my fucking hero. 
that's the, that's the new band name that we're going to come up with on this show. <laughs> this I want to do a podcast called Dingaling. Lobster yeah. <laughs> vasectomy <laughs> is opening up for Sawblade Dingaling. <laughs> See, now there's the Astro Radio Z t shirt. The tour. All the bands are going to play the tour. The Puppet Master Grand Tour. Also, like the psychic tick was kind of cool for the five minutes that she walked in the door and everybody, I just don't give a shit. I'm mm. mesmerized by the hair and it was kind of hard the hair and his singing because when the dude gets scared, he can belt it. But, uh, yeah, that's about it. Right. <laughs> and then the hair. What the, I even put that in my notes. Hey, look, another psychic. And it's, it's like the let's have a psychic. Why? So everyone could ignore all the warnings she gives. Yes. <laughs> That's the thing is everybody was so like, this is supposed to be a house. And at least two of these people are supposed to be two of the smartest people in the country. And in this movie, right? And they are, and they make the worst choices. What's he doing? He's what? What does she do? She constantly warns them: don't open the trunk, don't open the trunk. They immediately set to opening the trunk. Uh, they bring these puppets to life. What's your first choice? Oh, let's give them laser guns. I don't, <laughs> the, the power. A little, a little bit later, the power goes out. Now, they had just brought these puppets to life and been playing laser tag with them. The power goes out, and they're like, oh, God, what are we going to do? The power's out. Not like, wait, we just brought puppets to life. No one's, no one's bothering with that anymore. They're, they're scared over a power outage. Their, their intelligence is nothing. Their motivations make no sense. That's well, the thing that was so wasn't- frustrating. It wasn't absolutely clear to me until the hair said, literally, well, duh, you're the psychic, that she was a psychic. I thought she was just some hysterical female. Well, no. well she was in that one scene where all of a sudden she taps in. Like he's trying to get her to um, summon Andre Toulon to talk. And yeah. all she does is look like she's jilling off in her seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby. Well, what got me with her, too, is... Like for most of the film, you don't realize that she's like the hair's girlfriend. There, there's nothing that hints at all. It's some kind of relationship, but eventually it's kind of implied for one with, with her. But two, yeah, she does mostly screaming and give them warnings that these smart guys keep ignoring because uh, they're in some pissing match or whatever. And, oh, man, it was just when they brought those characters in, I'm just like, this this is just uh, the coolest thing was in the background of the scientist lab of guy who was from RoboCop. He had a Metropolis statue in the background. Yes. I noticed that and that was pretty badass. I'm like, but that tells you what kind of movie we're dealing with here. When I the most interesting thing I find is the freaking Metropolis statue that you get three seconds of uh, airtime that in the fact that every scientist has a nuclear incinerator in their lab i'm like what the fuck and as you and as you know these uh th- these totems cannot be killed by a nuclear incinerator because nothing happens to it but if like say like a puppet wants to like drill into its stomach or like it stays la- really it still lasers or or shoot it with a little tiny electric shock, oh then they blow up. 
the convenience of their death just hinges upon where it needs to happen in the script, Scott. <laughs> We're not talking about logic here. Oh, man. Well, the thing is, <laughs> this film is it carbon copies itself into the next one so much that it really they just like change out certain elements like the characters, but there's still the one Dick character, the hair who wants to take, who works with Rick at the research facility, wants to take the puppets to the research facility for fame and fortune or whatever, who the fuck knows. Um, But this same plot device happens in the next one. So it's just like, get ready. You're going to watch the same film twice. Only there's much more big nippled demons and hair in this <laughs> flick. Um, I personally, as much as we're dogging on this one, I kind of enjoy this movie because <laughs> it's it, even though it, it doesn't have much of a point to it. It's kind of a retread of part one um, in part two. It a lesser retread. It has some really goofy shit in it. All of the demon world stuff with Sutek and the trolls and the it, it, where he's sitting around on his throne and there's the backdrop looks like a, a reject matrix set. And it just like it's so goofy. I wish they would have explored that more. I would have loved to have seen an all puppet movie where we're just in these weird, strange worlds that would have that would have rocked to me but alas no that had to come out into the same regurgitated movie we've seen well two times before cuz part 3 arguably is a completely different kind of movie but i think we've kind of tapped this one out folks so let's go ahead and give our final thoughts on part 4 seth when it all is said and done what did you ultimately think about this flick did you like it yeah despite its flaws i think part 4 is uh, you know, cheesy, fun B movie. It's you know, Puppet Master. It does what it does, but it does what it does pretty well. Sadly, we get a lesser version of it for part five, and then it's all downhill from there. Yeah, you ain't fucking shitting, Glenn. What did you <laughs> think of this one? I, I thought it was okay. Um, I didn't. I didn't despise it. Um, I didn't sigh too often. <laughs> <laughs> watching this one um it's it's hard now because it just kind of blends into, the, into number five and number five i just was like uh so this it just makes this experience worse for me but it's it's all right it still feels like puppet master dan I, yeah i dogged it but as i said i mean when i was a kid uh, let's see it came out in 93 so i was 13 i mean i saw it like whenever it hit the shelf and it just there so if it whenever it came out i was right around that age and it was my favorite puppet master right up until last week having watched it again to where <laughs> my tastes i guess because i'm older and more jaded my tastes have changed but it's the full moon setup. I mean, I said it before, how you bring the people in, they corral them into a location, they summon a demon, do something stupid. The demon comes out and kills everybody and we have fun. And that's just, that's exactly what this movie is. It's not full moon firing on all cylinders, but it is full moon firing on just about damn near every cylinder they have. The animation's good, it's spot on for when they did it. The psychic scene, whenever they're at the, the seance part, 
I actually thought was cool as shit because as you mentioned it, Derek, I mean, I, watching this, I like the other dimension. I like Sutek. I like him being that Tulan stole the magic from an ancient Egyptian sorcerer who worshiped the demon Lord Sutek. I mean, they mentioned that I'm like, Holy shit. Okay. I'm sold. The background's cool. Then you come back to Bodega Bay and they do whatever. It doesn't matter. But to me, the first puppet master, whenever the not Dixie Carter does the little feather thing, you know, and just that impactful part, you know, where she's like, we put the dead to rest here. That stuck with me. And in this one, the seance, while it was cool, just wasn't really. The hair's hair is the hair. And his singing voice is fantastic. And yeah, the, the nipples on Sutek are epic. Epic. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I mean, watch it for all of its flaws. It, when you get it, it's, I think it was Scott mentioned, whenever you got this, you knew what you were getting because you were looking for the full moon logo. And this is one of those pleasant full moon surprises, honestly. This is fun. Yeah, this is a pretty fun one, Mark. Yeah, I will say it's still fun. Uh, it still has that puppet master feel, especially after watching. I, I marathoned all three of these. And I will say, yeah, I, it was still the one that was was and what felt like the rest of the series after this. Yeah, it, it doesn't even resemble it anymore. But this one, even though we, we had a lot of criticisms, I'll say as well. Yeah, it was I, it, I enjoyed it. I, I liked the story they came up with with the demons and the other dimension. D- just like you, Derek, I wanted to see more of that. Uh, you know, and, and explore that even more. And we, we don't unfortunately get that, but for what it is and what the series was up until this point when the credits roll, uh, yeah, it's still enjoyable. Scott. Yeah. I mean, we were criticizing it, but you know, and this movie isn't great. It really isn't. It's not like the first three, but eh, it's okay. The big problem is that the characters are kind of dull and this one, uh, but uh, there's a lot, still some good stuff to look for. And I think that Jeff Burr, uh, both to this one and the next one, brings a lot to the table. He has a lot of really interesting camera movements and framing. He's really a good director. And I love the little touches that he would throw that they were thrown into this movie, like uh, how Tunneler kills one of the totems, and then afterwards. Pinhead like dabs the bloody drill, <laughs> like like dabs the blood off clean afterwards. I thought that was like a nice touch. So it's not a great movie. Uh, I would say it's it's kind of very much on the average to slightly below, but um, it's still decent enough to watch. I mean, I, it's certainly not a waste of time at all. No, I agree. I also agree that the film has some really nice camera work. Both of these four and five have nice cinematography and lighting that and and I think that's what leads them to feel like the earlier films. Like there was actually some care that was put into this. Because let me tell you, when we start talking about Curse of the Puppet Master, you better watch the fuck out. Because, boy, <laughs> do I have a few things to say about that movie. But uh, th- these two films in particular, they look great. I think they, that Jeff Burr and crew did a really nice job of this. Last but not least, Miss Angelique, what, do you, what did you walk away with? As much hate as I spit towards Decapitron, this movie was not the worst. 
it was okay. Well, to this point, okay, we'll have to do. Because we're going to move on to Puppet Master 5, quote unquote, the final chapter that came out in 1994. When Rick Myers tapped into the secret of artificial life. It's the formula. He became the master of Andre Toulon's puppets. The future is yours, Rick, as well as the magic. Guard and protect it and keep it from evil. Now, his new found power will make him a pawn. And you say there are seven of these puppets still at the hotel. Between a corporation. Now, once we're inside, what we're looking for are six strangers puppets. And a demon from hell. The others, are they still in the hotel? Just pick up anything that looks like a puppet. Something's not right. One will stop at nothing to capture the puppets. You think these things are dangerous? Oh, please, not ridiculous. The other will unleash the forces of darkness to destroy them all. said this was a continuation of part four it was shot back to back pretty much and it's pretty much the exact same movie here's the story rick is arrested after the events of the last film then after his company posts bail for him they never mention him being arrested or under suspicion <laughs> of murder ever again I noticed that too. <laughs> Rick, <laughs> Rick, his girlfriend, and an agent from his company go on the hunt for the puppets at the Bodega Bay Inn for their own purposes and yet again get mixed up in puppet demon and totem nonsense. Oh, sweet Jesus. It's it, it, like we said before, it's essentially the same film, only this time the hair is switched out with a bootleg Ricky Gervais as a company <laughs> man out to find the secrets this time around. He's obviously in for a double cross to get fame and fortune or whatever the fuck he wants. As I said before, Rick is brought. He's arrested on murder charges. His company posts bail and it's never mentioned ever again. Um, he's interrogated by Superfly. Yes! Mr. Ron O'Neill in, in a, a surprising and shocking cameo. I like had to do a double take. All of a sudden, Rick, Rick is sitting in the interrogation room and fucking Superfly shows up. Scott, what do you think of this? I love Superfly. What are you talking about? <laughs> I can't uh, believe it. Superfly is awesome, but you know, it's like um, it, 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 I liked this early bit at the beginning 
uh, where they bring him in and he's for questioning and everything like that. And, you know, I thought it was a fake thing at the first, but, you know, they actually used a real police station, at least for the exteriors. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. This is cool. This is, you know, and I liked I liked the whole setup. I thought it was very moody and everything like that. Uh, I was kind of hoping when we saw this beginning that we wouldn't have that they said this is good. They're going to recap all the the events this way, and we won't have to sit through like seven or eight minutes of stock footage. But wrong. That didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Little did you know. It's full moon. I should have known better. Yeah, I really wish that that Ron O'Neill would have like broke out some superfly lines. I mean, I know that he's done like dozens and dozens and dozens of movies, but to just hear him say to like Rick, like all them honky pig partners, you you got ain't gonna be able to protect your ass either. You know, just like like yes, lay it down, play some Curtis Mayfield on the soundtrack, please. <laughs> that would be awesome. Wouldn't you just love to see like the little puppets like running around like here, like in the background? Too long's dead. It's like, yeah, <laughs> awesome. Oh man, be awesome. Absolutely, it would have been epic, but alas. We have a setup that lasts nearly 40 minutes where he gets bailed out of jail. And uh, like I said, bootleg Ricky Gervais and Clue Gulliger as a a cameo as a complete asshole. I think he's had it up the nostril. What do you think? Don't touch me. I'm I'm shocked. That this film had all the cameos and none none of them were in the fourth one, which is arguably the better film. Uh, Mark, what did you think of the cameos in this? Yeah, I I dug it. It's surprising, but yet also not. (laughs) Uh, There's this long tradition. uh, I heard someone at one point say in Hollywood, you hardly ever, if ever, turn down work. Uh, which which is why you see Sam Jackson in a lot of direct-to-video stuff. You, you, you know, while he's also on the big screen, and there's a few other actors as well that they just have this massive body of, of work where they seem to be everywhere. And so, uh, you know, I dug the cameos in this. Uh, what uh, we'll, we'll get to it later. But the cameos, yeah, they they were kind of fun to spot, uh, though they didn't add too much to the movie. It was it was fun to see. Uh, I, I have other issues with this film, but <laughs> as far as they go, they were, they were cool. Would one of those issues happen to be the fact that while Rick is in the, the clink waiting to be bailed out, uh, the blade doll is confiscated and taken to the evidence room, comes back to life in the cop that's on duty watches him walk out of the room of his own volition and just shrugs his shoulders and goes back to doing Sudoku or whatever the fuck he was doing. <laughs> I, I caught that. I don't know if it was that or the fact that our hero who who wasn't charged with anything yet, they put him in the orange jumpsuit, which I'm like, wait, that's not how that works. Um, finally gets out after interviewing with the company man Tells his girl, I am exhausted. I have had two hours of sleep in the last like week. And she wants to have sex with him. The poor guy. And and I'm like, and then she's like all disappointed that he passed out. I'm like, were you not paying attention? 
he, the, the man's tired. Yeah, the whole prison sequence just didn't make a whole lot of sense of him being in prison and then not and never mention it again and not even being a suspect. And I'm just like, am I missing something? Did they cut some stuff out? <laughs> you know? Well, obvious. This was part of a bigger story and they decided, nope, we only have one location. We can't be running back and forth with and afford a bunch of uh, cops coming in and out. So this first 20 minutes of this cop sequence is literally a load of nothing. Let's not forget about in between it. We get the longest spell ever in the history of film where we have demonic guy transferring himself into the puppet <laughs> and over and over again. I am yours. You are mine. We are one. I am joined. Cut to him falling asleep on his girlfriend, coming back to demon going, we will be one. Our blood would be. And I'm sitting here going, Jesus, how fucking long does it take to merge with the fucking puppet? It a long like- time. You, as you could see, Mark, he was doing a lot of ab crunches. <laughs> is him doing ab crunches the whole time. It, it just got me. I'm like sitting there going, holy Christ. He, it's like three, like two days. And, and it's, this guy's still transferring himself in, into the ultimate <laughs> puppet. And I'm like, Fuck, what the hell, man? You know, though he does get that great line of drink from the fountain of rage, drink from the fountain of evil. Our blood is one. And I'm like, yes, the audience gets it. You will be the same. So when something happens to the puppet, it will happen to you. Thank you. And you got that for like that first 42 minutes, which is also how long you have to wait for the first freaking kill. Oh my gosh, Glenn, should this film have been retitled Puppet Master 5, The Final Padding? Oh my God, that's all this movie was, was padding. Just, I mean, that's pretty much my notes are, well, actually, I retitled it The Final Boredom. (laughs) Um, Oh man, it's like, yeah, just, let's just see how long we can stretch shit out. Oh my God, and yeah, I mean, fine, you're doing your magic ritual and yeah you gotta air hump the puppet for you know as, 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 as Mark said for like 38 days um <laughs> my god it's there's there's a lot of nonsense in this movie there's you can't really go on too much about the plot itself because it's basically the same thing after that point it, it, it reverts back to they go back to the bodega bay and wander around while the totems come out um, only this time the psychic girl who was injured in the first one is now in the hospital and basically talks to Rick like a bootleg Obi-Wan Kenobi um, and, and tells him what to do in order to eliminate uh, the totems this time and uh, um, there is not much movement going on with the puppets in this flick um the stop motion is good i was fortunate enough to see the blu-ray of this um the hd version and it looks as good as this film way better than it deserves um it almost makes you think that this is a good movie (laughs) which um i would (laughs) i wouldn't say but it, it does look great there's like mark said there's really no horror elements 
in this movie until 40 minutes in. Um, there's a sequence where a totem chases after one of the guys that break in to try and find the puppets. And the guy literally falls on the ground and rolls around on the floor waiting for the totem to come over and kill him. Yeah. Well, I, I texted you. I'm like, gravity at the hotel must really be strong. It's like <laughs> once, you, once you trip, no one could get up from the puppets. It was like once they tripped and fell to the ground, that was it. Your, your ass was toast because you couldn't get back up none of these people got back up after they tripped and did i miss it though didn't they mention in this one how they were looking for the secret when i thought for sure as i mentioned before in the first one they were keepers of the secret yet i think that one i mean and I could be wrong on this because, you know, continuity for this series is just, you know, so, I mean, you could be absolutely right. But, I mean, I, I mean, I know that the, like, Ian Ogilvie and his group were looking for the secret, but I don't know. It was the other, was the, was the demon, look, was Sutek looking for the secret or was Sutek still protecting the secret? No, Sutek was protecting the secret. He was out to eliminate anyone that he thought possessed the secret. Now, the, um... Omega Corporation were trying to figure out artificial intelligence. They weren't trying to figure out like some arcane knowledge that the demon thought that they had. They were just looking to, you know, turn a buck where um, Sutek just wants to eliminate anyone who possibly could figure uh, their secret out and make it a reality. But the dialogue's written so horribly, it made it sound in the second one, in this one, like he was actually looking for it, you know, because they didn't build on that. He's, he, we must find Toulon's secret. I'm like, wait, no, you guys had the secret. Why, why are you looking for people with the secret, you know? It just, the way, uh, am I off on this, Glenn? No, no. Never, sh- never, never use the camera to show the keyboard if the person is to be punching seven, eight. Seven, yes, eight, seven, I put eight. that. I put that in my notes. Yes. <laughs> is that some secret programming code? I don't know. Well, no, it's because his keyboard was programmed wrong, and even though he pressed seven and eight, it made one and zero. That's what I was going to say. It was like an alternate binary code. <laughs> seven because- and eight. Because when you type on a computer, you can only type in binary. Seth, did this movie even mildly entertain you? There was one moment where Jester gets his crowning achievement moment of the entire series that entertained me. When one of the henchmen guys was in the closet chasing after Pinhead with a rolling pin, because that's the weapon of choice these days, a shitty rolling pin. And uh, Jester just pops out and cracks the guy in the nards with a meat tenderizer. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was losing it at that point. Uh, I was—I mean, I was grasping for anything to find entertaining at this point <laughs> because it is just a load of padded bullshit and mid-nineties crappy computer tech shit that was so popular then. Oh, computers! Everyone has them. Let's send messages telepathically through them. <laughs> uh, it, it was a mess. I still kind of enjoyed the puppets uh, that, you know, they worked as a team and that's fun, but I was really hoping for more netherworld stuff and it just never happened. Yeah. It never did. Other than, you know, yeah, uh, the, the doing ab crunches. Yeah. <laughs> 
There really wasn't much there. Dan, what did you think? Puppet Master 5. Didn't I just see this? Only the one I just saw was a lot better. God damn. All right. Right off the bat. I don't know what it's like where you guys are at, but I know Angelique could relate down here. When your police station sign looks like a hometown burger joint. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. The the goddamn sign was just the whites that said police. I could not believe that's why that's why I mentioned it because I could not believe that was a real police station, but they said on the commentary it was like, get the fuck out. <laughs> I mean, dude, seriously, it's like they found an old circuit city or something. I'm trying to think of like some like a old first citizens bank or something. It just duct taped a sign over it, which they probably did. So whenever you see that, I knew what I was in for. Oh God. My is it bad to say my favorite part was the uh Sutec ab crunching. The rich thing. Look, in all, that throne room was bad as shit. There's no way around it. The set design in that thing was awesome, even though Sutek's sinister nipples were still forefront in there for about half of it. There's a damn, it just, it looks cool. And there's a hideous and evil statue thing in the background holding a chalice with a pentagram on it. And Sutex calling on the Lord of Darkness and the master of the underworld. And then he's gyrating. And then it goes on for another 20 minutes. (laughs) And that's about it. Because then once it gets back to the movie, Johnny's special needs second cousin is even... (laughs) more need of something special and help because it just god damn this whole movie was atrocious i'm looking and i didn't realize one of the guys i mean this guy to do nicholas guest and this is the other best thing about the movie this guy has been background vocal he's done background vocals and voice work for video games and stuff like my entire life he did splinter cell he did call of duty world at war he was in diablo 3 he was in dante's inferno he was also the voice of john teller from sons of anarchy and probably his biggest claim to fame was that he was tied from christmas vacation remember the yuppie neighbors yeah. <laughs> griswold and he's like, why don't you come on yeah. up bend over and i'll show you <laughs> that was him and other than that, the rest of the movie is shit. <laughs> I, I hate to say it. It is. The, the music was cool. Let me, let me, the music in this scene, in this movie was cool. Whereas in part four, they actually changed. It was Richard Band's theme was gone. And it was yeah. it's something more lilting and more action oriented to it. You know, almost bellicose sounding, almost. This one brings back the Richard Band score, but then it adds some other flair to it, some other little touches. And Decapitron had a new head, but other than that, He's got a rocket head. He had a, he had the rocket head, and he had the well, he had the uh, the vision, the heat vision, rocket head. Yeah, uh, yeah he had it, that head that looked like a, a one of those dollar store robots, you yeah. know, with the eyes little, would light up and go like, in and out. He looked like Doctor Theophilus from the old Buck Rogers TV series. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah he did. That, that's a deep cut, Kit, folks. That is that is a deep <laughs> cut. <Wow>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's about it. <laughs> I hate it. There really ain't nothing much to this. <laughs> yeah. Are we supposed to seriously believe at the end of this movie that Susie actually runs 15 miles a day? Oh, my God. 
<laughs> Not just 15 miles, but 15 miles in one an hour and 20 something minutes. Yeah. Yeah. When I mean, the final sequence after everything's been vanquished and Rick and Susie go back home and start living their lives again in harmony with, with Pinhead and Blade. Um, she walks in in her, you know, her workout outfit. How much, how did I do? I just ran 15 miles in an hour. It's like, whatever. <laughs> and, and she still doesn't get naked. There's, no, there's, there's still no nudity. I'm like Charles Band. What the hell? There's where's where where the where the hell is? Why is there so many clothes? So many clothes in this film? <laughs> <laughs> Mark, I'm starting to worry about you, bud. I think I got to talk to your wife. This is awesome. I just, I just get to kick back and let Mark take the reins. No, on this no, no, you don't understand. It's full moon. It's Charles Band. It's you're like. What the You're hell? You're taking full moon too literally here, I, Mark. I might, but I was hoping for some redeeming quality of this film, and it sounds bad to say that's a redeeming quality, but at least it would have been visually entertaining. But what, what I also loved about this was how Torch wasn't in the first one, and he just suddenly shows up in this one. It, it, just out of nowhere, suddenly, oh, wait, Torch is here now. I'm like, where the f- fuck was he when they had the you know three demons running around he he was like you know drinking pina coladas or something but suddenly well, torch you, they decided to use torch this time around i'm like well you know why mark hmm. because they probably only had one torch doll and they while they were filming both of these movies back to back the second unit if you watch the video zones the second oh, yeah. unit filmed all of the puppet sequences by themselves on a completely different set. Yep. At yeah, the I, same I, time. That doesn't there, surprise me. And it was the most expensive a torch is the most expensive puppet to do because not only do they have to have it do all the crazy shit, they uh, have to have a fire marshal on set and everything else. These these two films back to back together, you do get the feeling like, you know, with this call the final chapter, they're trying to end Toulon as the puppet master and make our young our young boy the new puppet master. But that goes nowhere after this film. <laughs> oh, no, it's un- true. No, unfortunately, that guy just became, you know, Kirk Cameron's Antichrist later on. Because so, this guy, okay, because Gordon Curry, for our listeners, oh, uh, went on to play Nikolai Carpathia, the evil European head of the UN Antichrist in Kirk Cameron's Freaking stupid left behind movies. If you think these movies are dumb, the left behind movies and those you're supposed to actually take seriously. And our little pimply faced uh, prodigy that's the hero of these movies played the Antichrist in those movies. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, oh, yeah. oh they were the worst. The oh, worst. I have no intentions of, of watching any of that shit. Angelique, you've been pretty silent about this one. What do you have to add about Puppet Master 5? Just that my feelings on uh, Decapitron have not changed. They may have um, increased <laughs> um, the rage and hate for that stupid ass puppet. And this was just a dumb movie, except for the dude in the flannel shirt. Oh yeah, the the guy. I yeah. I Where picture. have we seen him? Hey, yes, 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 yes. Pulp Fiction. Yes. And, and he makes his return to Astro Radio Z because he was in yes. Vice Academy Two. 
Yes, he's the dude that's getting a back rub from Linnea Quigley in Vice Academy 2. Oh, yeah. and yeah, that's where he's from. Bring out the gimp. Yeah. The gimp's sleeping. Yeah, that's, that's where he's from. That's, oh. Yeah, it's Dwayne Whitaker, he, who uh, also starred in uh, Jeff Burr's film, uh, Eddie Presley. A lot of the actors in this movie were from uh, Jeff Burr's uh, student films and from Eddie Presley. And uh, Dwayne Whitaker was one of the biggies. Uh, it's great. They bring him in for on the on the Blu-ray. They bring him in uh, uh, for like an interview, like uh, in the middle of like a, this like interview with Je- Jeff Burr. He just gets Jeff Burr just gets bored and says, oh, "I'm going to turn this over. Hold on." And Dwayne Whitaker comes and says, "Yeah, you can see me on the video zone. I tried to sound enthusiastic when they because they just kept on prompting me. They started saying like, talk about how great the puppets are.' And so I said, "Yeah, them puppets." They're doing things <laughs> because he's got like this very like this very like great like draw like basically if you covered your eyes and heard his voice you could say this dude could play Johnny Cash with this deep draw that he has and just, yeah them them puppets they they sure are out there doing things <laughs> yeah. but they were always like prompting people and stuff. <laughs> Man, let me tell you, there is just a whole lot of nothing to talk about with this flick. I think we've exhausted it, folks. Let's go ahead, run down the line and give our final thoughts. I'm going to just let you know, while I I don't think this is the worst film of the night, it definitely is quite a step down from part four. Um, Dan, Final thoughts. Right. I, oh, I don't know. It's, as a kid, it was getting them mixed up, which because I couldn't remember if it was four or five. And then, of course, hearing y'all talk is that it was supposed to be one movie. Damn it, man. That police station sign. I just, Jesus Christ, guys. Nah, it was terrible. Just flat out through it. It's not the worst, but holy shit. <laughs> it ain't the best either. <laughs> That's for sure. Glenn. Yeah. This one, <laughs> um, I don't know. Part of me feels I should stay with the theme of the movie, and I should, uh, I should, uh, I should uh, just maybe, maybe pad out my response for about fifty-five minutes, and then eventually give you an answer. But I'm not going to. Um, yeah, just uh, no, not not the worst of the night, but no. Man, you know, Ebola is, you know, worse than the flu, so I'll take the flu. <laughs> I am not going to edit your response. I'm going to let all the pauses stay when I. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, Scott. Ah, cripes. It always comes down to this. Um, yeah, I disagree. Uh, <laughs> I liked this one. I uh, thought the remember I thought part four was not that good. It was very so-so. I said I think I said average or slightly below. This one it's not as good as like say like the first three. I don't think I'm not going to go that far. But I did enjoy it. I said okay. Actually, it seemed like part four was kind of revving you up and this was the actual movie so yeah you're watching a lot of the same beats get repeated but there's so much style to it i like the the characters were a little more entertaining to watch this time around uh i liked ian ogilvy i liked Dwayne whitaker uh you know uh, and 
I kind of liked the variety that they gave us by starting in the police station and then like showing, you know, the little aside before we got to the Bodega Bay Inn. And I just thought it was a lot more entertaining. I mean, yes, you can see the budget constraints. It's full moon. What are you going to do? But I liked the puppet effects. I actually thought some of the puppet effects, I was surprised how elaborate they were. You could see the puppets interacting and not right next to each other. So I thought that was neat. I loved what Jeff Burr did. Once again, I think he was a, is a great stylish director. He has a bit where he does a kill where there's blood running down a flashlight and it like basically fills the whole room with red. I guess he I hear he did something similar in Stepfather 2, but I never saw that movie, so I can't really say. Uh, and probably my favorite scene from either of these movies is the bathtub scene. Oh, yeah. There yes. is this sequence, very brief sequence. It's less than a minute, and there's no nudity in it. Sorry, Mark. And sorry, Scott, too. Who am I kidding? But it shows the psychic basically all gothed out in a tub, and there's, like, the tub is filled with blood. There's little, like, the little, like, uh, scuba wind-up toys are around it, and she's getting a scalp massage in this bloody bathtub from Pinhead as tunneler slowly drills into her head and she like just looks at the camera and grins and it is such a cool set piece i'm like whoa that is so badass there are i mean so it's not a i mean it's not a classic it's not i don't i don't even think it's as up to snuff as like the first three but of the films tonight i think it's certainly the best because i could leave this one and i wasn't saying eh, it's so so i was saying no, I, I liked that. That was that was a fun uh, little eighty minute uh, Puppet Master movie. I had a good time in it. I have to agree that one sequence in the bathtub is. I wish they would have had more instances of that kind of darkness and that kind of style. He wanted to do it. Apparently, he says there was kind of more of a television mentality that, look, you think of these as episodes, so don't like mix things up too much and make it too weird. But I think he wanted, would have liked to have done that, but yeah, I think we can all agree that a weirdness would have helped these two movies tremendously. Seth, no argument there. Uh, yeah, a weirdness would have helped. Um, I think there's a 15 or 20 minutes worth of great content in this movie. And then the rest is fast forwardable. Just skip it, (laughs) get to the bathtub, get to the jester, you know, Slapping the guy in the nuts. The puppets get some uh, fun communication with each other, get to show their personalities. There's some good stuff in here. I think it's the the first dramatic step down in quality for the the series, though. Yeah, there's absolutely no doubt. And let me tell you, we're about to jump off a cliff (laughs) after this movie. Um, (laughs) uh, Mark? Yeah, you guys all giving me shit in the first one. Oh, Jester. Jester doesn't do anything. Oh, Jester fucking rocks in this film. And he was the one thing I could hold on to in the making this entertaining in that he gets to kill people. He gets to crush some guy's nards with a freaking meat tenderizer. I'm like, yeah, Jester's showing up to play. That was like three minutes of the 80-some 80, 80 minute film. Um, that and the shot, yeah, in the bathtub was really cool. And those little moments, five minutes all together, I think. And how long is the movie? Like 80 minutes? Yeah. Yeah, the rest of the film, I, I was trying not to fall asleep. 
uh, and being the computer guy, the scenes with the computer were painful for, for many reasons, not including the fact of he wasn't hitting any keys when they were doing the clicking noise for the keys. And when he was, he was hitting in between keys. So he's hitting double keys. Yet it was all coming up. And I'm like, look, I, I know computers, but you couldn't even fake it properly. I'm like, oh, my God, how do you, you know, don't show the keyboard, man. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's, it is the first sign of it. It's sliding and uh, the too much padding for me. I wish they would have made these two into one film. I really do because I think I would have enjoyed both of them as one film together, take all the good bits from each one. Uh, but as separate films, this one especially just was, I found it boring. Yeah. Every, I couldn't agree with day. you more. Angelique. No, just didn't like it. Hated Decapitron even more than I thought I could. <laughs> and just no. It was a clip show, the the greatest, and I use that in the loosest sense of the term, greatest hits of the last movie we watched that wasn't that good to begin with. So, no. Well, speaking of clip shows, let's move on, folks. Okay. And unfortunately, talk about uh. Curse of the Puppet Master that came out in 1998. Ago, they vanished without a trace. Now, Andre Toulon's puppets have found a new home and a new puppet master. I'm Dr. McGrew. I run the Marble Show out on Route 23. Whoa. Fastest six guns in the West. Six shooter. Give me a hand, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> to steal their secrets. See, I've tried to duplicate that process, but I've never been able to make a living puppet. I've come close. Help me. To create the perfect species. You see, I want to carve a living puppet just like this. And you're a special skill. And I need you to carve me a miracle. But he's about to discover that Toulon's magic you may be the first of a new race of beings, a superior race. Has a deadly price. of the puppet master directed by quote unquote Victoria Sloan okay it's directed by Dave Dakota under a different <laughs> name and after watching the film I know why he didn't want his name on this um, it was edited by Schlockmeister J.R. Bookwalter his first full moon feature that he came on to in a, a long relationship that he would start with the company. This is the first film in which David Allen wasn't associated because as we had stated before, 
he was no longer around. So there's no stop motion animation in this film. Mm. There's actually, and this is going to be generous. Almost 95% of the shots of the original puppets in this film are stock footage from the previous films. Now, I will state that again. There is almost no new footage of the puppets in this film whatsoever. Imagine yourself, you're a kid in 98 or even, you know, a youngish adult. You're into horror movies. You're into Puppet Master. Oh, they weren't supposed to be making any more Puppet Masters. I got to check out this Curse of the Puppet Master. You take it home and you're watching the same fucking movie you had already watched before because all of the shots are recycled from the previous movies and not even recycled very well. The backdrops don't even match up with the scenes that they're in. It's it's fucking atrociously shocking, but I'm getting ahead of myself here, folks. I haven't even told you the amazing story of Curse of the Puppet Master. Angelique, what is the plot of Curse of the Puppet Master? Well, we have uh, Dr. Magoo, who (laughs) loves puppets and uh, (laughs) comes across a magic moron who can whittle very well. (laughs) (laughs) Who everybody says can really go places. (laughs) Um, And takes him back to his home, you know, doesn't know him from a tomcat, takes him into his home to create the perfect puppet from uh, cutouts and pieces of fine lumber that are very ancient and mysterious, apparently. I don't know. Um, His daughter seduces him because she has a thing for simpletons. He runs into trouble with the local hoods. We get to see the puppets kill one person. Then he gets put into uh, Robbie the robot doll with some mystical, magical stuff, and the puppets take revenge on Dr. Magoo because they don't want to do it anymore. The end. Yeah, and the movie just ends midway through yeah. the final death. I I put that in my notes in that it just ends. In fact, I think I, I, think I tweeted as well uh, to one of you or messaged. I'm like, it just fucking ends. Yeah. I rewound it three times. And I was like, wait, did I miss something? Yeah, I thought... I I, I retitled this one Puppet Master 6, Curse of the Puppet... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, how many many people want to see a book published just of Glenn's alternate movie title? (laughs) (laughs) They're more accurate (laughs) than any of the actual titles of these movies. You're worrying me here because this took 51 minutes until we get a death. And the movie's only like 70 minutes long. You know what? But the funny thing is about that, Mark, it's the best death of the entire night. Yes. Well, it's 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 also the the best death, and it's the only part of original puppet footage we get in this entire movie is in the one death that happens the first death that happens 51 minutes into the film it's like they were saving it for that one moment oh my gosh and what is that death it's a dude who is uh, obviously bench pressing an empty bar no he's got 30 pounds on it 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's really <laughs> light. I could do better than that. And I'm weak. Yeah, he's he's doing real good with them 30 pounds. Oh my god, he's really going crazy. And Tunneler decides to come in and, and tunnel his dick. Well, yeah, because he, he had attempted to break into Hot Pants's, I mean, um uh the daughter who uh you know a little miss uh, uh little miss britney, mom shorts britney spears wannabe tries to do that to her but but uh you know pinhead fought him and got hurt and then he ran off and so then yeah the the dr magoo took the puppets out there to to give him an extra hole apparently and I actually liked that sequence. <laughs> that was the only original anything. It's like they came up with the one scene and we're like, how do we write a movie around this? Oh man. They, uh, it's literally the only time we see original puppet action in this movie, because otherwise it's just people holding the puppets and stock footage from other films. This film has all the trademarks of latter era Dave Dakota. It has um, shirtless boys and white boxers yep. walking around or, or chained up. It has awful color soup in which outdoor uh, scenes are um, people have a, their key light as a tungsten color and everything else is blue. So the colors don't, it's an orange and blue mix. That's not natural. And you're supposed to think that it, it it's working. I mean, this is, uh, it's all the showcases of somebody just throwing a movie together. This film feels cheap. It feels like uh, a fucking work. It feels like we we have just been duped out of money. It is the biggest piece of shit we've seen so far <laughs> up up until this point. It is seriously insulting to watch this movie. Dan, tell me about Curse of the Puppet Master. Would you even consider this a film that anyone in their right mind should should watch in any way? I think Glenn said it best. <sighs> no, <Nah. laughs> I can't even get the, the sigh right. <sighs> it, no, this movie, you, you stole my thunder. You said it was insulting. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. You need to hear it sigh because this, this movie is insulting. It, like seriously, it's just, and I'm a I'm a full moon mark. I'll admit it. I love full moon worship. Anything this movie just God no, this sucks. This movie is terrible. David Dakota directs it, but under the name Victoria Sloan. You know the name Victoria is like short for you know, supposed to mean like victorious. What the fuck are we supposed to be celebrating other than the fact that the movie was over? This thing was atrocious. I can't. Honest, other than the kill, the kill was the cool part. But, but even then, it's like I'm still. Re, I, I, oh god, I double build this. I watched Puppet Master Five, and then immediately said, "God damn it, I got to do the sixth one." So I started watching this one immediately afterward. Now the puppets are bad guys again, or why are they in cages? Like, 
Didn't did you notice at the beginning? It's like Mad Dog McGrew's got all his puppets in the little cages at the beginning or whatever, and then he's like, "Jesus fuck, man! Just why? Oh God, I don't know. Watch Dead Silence. It's the same premise, only a good movie. None of it makes sense to me because I I really think that this was just thrown together to quick cash in on the fact that uh, Full Moon was floundering. And they needed some revenue, and Puppet Master was their cash cow. Scott? Yeah, that's definitely it. I mean, you could, because the puppets are like bit players in this movie. Um, so you can almost picture this. And you know what? I think it would have been better if they did this. You could almost picture this as starting out as a movie that had nothing to do with Puppet Master. And then they said, oh, we need to do a Puppet Master movie because we are low on cash. And so they turned it into a Puppet Master movie like as an afterthought, kind of like what they did with some of the later like Hellraiser movies and such. You know, and so that's why Pinhead shows up for like, you know, five minutes in those movies. It it felt like that because I will tell you this much. It's a bad movie. It's a bad movie. Don't worry, guys. I'm not. You're not going to have to be like, come on, Scott. Uh, But (laughs) it's a bad movie. But. I will say this is that story wise, if they had taken some more time with it and turned it into its own movie, there's some creepy stuff in there. There's some potentially creepy stuff like when he wakes up and he sees like wooden gears in his chest and stuff like that. And if they had only written this better so that his, you know, Robert, a.k.a. Tanks doesn't go through such a swift decline, if it was way more if it was much more uh, subtle and gradual, that would be something. It reminded me of some of the lower budget films from the 70s, like uh, had elements of the Charles Band production Tourist Trap. It had uh, elements, if anybody remembers a movie with snake people called yeah, from the 70s, it yeah. really reminded me of that. Um, stuff like that, a little bit of two-headed, tra- uh, two-headed uh, whatever, thing with two heads. I don't know, whatever the one with the, was with the simple guy and the crazy guy. There were little elements of that, and it would have, you know what? I'm like, you know, if they took a little more time with the script, took a, little, a couple extra days to film it, maybe didn't turn it into a Puppet Master movie because it all that all seems kind of like as an afterthought. It could have been good, but it's not. It's not a good movie at all. Uh, I I have a, I will say really quickly that I have a, very very small connection toward that i have with this film i think i told a few of you this story i have a couple puppet master t-shirts i'm wearing one right now and on the opening night of the dark knight rises they had like you know that you could do the marathon and then at midnight they would show the dark knight rises uh i was in the movie theater it was all packed and i was wearing my blade t-shirt and this there's I see like this there's this group of young girls uh down the aisle uh like say like mid teens early 20s I'll say probably early 20s very early 20s like college age and they're kind of like laughing at everything like that and finally the one girl comes over and says I'm sorry I just had to say this and she pointed at my shirt and said my grandfather was the star of the sixth one <coughs> whoa Yep, her grandfather played Dr. McGrew, was George Peck, I guess. I, she either said uh, grandfather or uncle. I think it was grandfather. And I'm like, 
you're kidding me. She says, no. And she says, and before you say anything, he says, he tells me it's not very good. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, and I said, well, it isn't. I will say that your grandfather was pretty good at it, though. <laughs> you know, and, and I will still say that. You know, if the part was written, he did the most with what he was given, and if the part was written better, it could be it could have been as good as say Chuck Connors in Tourist Trap, or something like that. But yeah, that I had that little. Uh, every time I even think of that this movie, I can't help but think about the time this kid came up and said that her grandfather was in this movie and then she had obviously not even seen it. (laughs) It's that, that is a much better story than anything in the movie. (laughs) Anything. Well, a lot of it is, is that the, the, the film, it reeks of, like I said, latter era, Dave Dakota, where I had heard a story, my friend, Jason column that I've worked with on the past on movies um, used to work with, and still does to a certain extent, uh, Dave Dakota. And there's a science to how he churned out so many movies for so long because he only had a certain number of setups that he would do one or two takes and move on. This film was shot in eight days. That's a long movie for Dave Dakota. Eight days. He was cranking out when you think about like Nightmare Sisters and some of the stuff, he was cranking out three, four day movies at that time. What I'm guessing the eight days had to have been a couple of those days had to have been like the the one sequence where uh, the freak puppet that they dig up is squirming around. That probably took a little time to, to shoot. And uh, the scenes, like you said, where Tank has the, the he's, he turned in this dream sequence. He looks like he's a wooden puppet with gears in his stomach and all this stuff. I'm sure some of that stuff and maybe the finale where uh, bootleg Decapitron comes in and uh, shoots uh, Magoo in the face and then it just ends. Um, some of those sequences probably took more time than any of the dialogue sequences in this film. They literally reek of they they had one light and they shot it in a well-lit area. Most of this movie takes place during the day. And uh, they just shot all this really boring, obvious dialogue. Angelique? The, the dialogue was so bad. It was like incomplete sentences. You're right, because I made a comment in here how they do that scene where, well, first off, Magoo's daughter is like, I talk about creepy. She's the creepiest character in this freaking movie because of her stock and tank, because she's all about, oh, you have big hands and I'm sure your hands can do things. And I'm like, dudes. Yeah. And her relationship with Pinhead was a little gross. Well, if you notice that, yeah, if you notice Pinhead's just hanging out in her room as she's like getting ready for bed. Well, he's got big hands, but I. Uh, oh, God, he does. There's the one seed where she's sitting there with Tank, and you know they're trying to build something up, and she's like, oh, Tank. He's like, I know you wouldn't hurt anyone. Okay, I'm off to bed. I'm just, I'm just like, wait, wait. You, you went from serious dialogue to. Okay, I'm off to bed now. I'm just like, what the hell? She was the creepiest part, though, I swear. What about the extended whittling sequences? 
where <laughs> Tank is in the, the wood shop and it literally crossfades between two, uh, two opposing shots for five minutes straight. Well, there was a substitution for his shower scene. Yeah. Oh. David Dakota. <laughs> what? And, and yet again, we get teased. They finally, he stands up. She's, she's putting the moves on him. They're ready to go. And I'm like, here we go. Okay. We're going to get some redeeming quality. And he's like lightning McQueen. He's like out of her room already. I'm like, you're done already. What the hell? What kind of love scene was that? Where did, and you know, she's buttoning up her shirt and I'm just like, you failed me again. Well, think about it. Tank. Do you think tank was getting a lot of play other than uh, miss creep? Well, no, but that's true. He wasn't, so he was probably out of, you know, didn't have a lot of stamina because of that, but still. He's probably a two-pump chump at best. (laughs) That's why he worked at the gas station. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That worked well. (laughs) Did she come across as, like, very underage to anyone else? I mean, I know she was a college graduate, but she seemed like she was 13 or 14 years old. Well, it was made the voice. whole thing creepier. Well, yeah, Seth, it was her voice and her first outfit that she wore for like the first half hour of the film. Right, right. Yeah, and that horrible bronze lipstick for the whole thing. Uh, it was it was creepy because that's what I thought at first too. I'm like, wait, how old is she? College? I'm like, she's supposed to be back from college. Back from college, and she's trolling for all the special needs guys. <laughs> <laughs> She, I mean, you gotta think about what this girl's probably up to at college. Is what I got. Is what I mean. It's not. That's not like. That's not like shaming anybody. That's actually what I got from the character. Is that she's been away from college and she's happy to be home and like see her dad and see, you know, the the puppets and everything. But you know, it's such a small, boring town. You know, certainly not much party action going on here. So, oh, hello, Tank. You know, I mean, that's basically what I thought was going on there. And there you go. So she was like, moved on. she moved on that. Like, you know, she was just in it. We go to Whittling Willie and just say, come over here and diddle my whittle. What the hell, man? <laughs> what? She only had, oh, this is what she had to choose from. She had to choose from Tank or the boy band that would come and tease Tank. <laughs> well, yeah, but she hadn't been in town five minutes and the minute Tank shows up, if you look at the look she's giving him from behind her dad's back, I'm just like, creep, she wants to jump him right there. I'm like, yeah. I, I'm like, wow. Yeah, I'm like, she moves quick. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> if, if you haven't noticed, folks, and dear <laughs> listeners, we have not talked about the puppets at all <laughs> in in Curse of the Puppet Master. And as I said before, that's because they aren't in this movie at all. I, I want to pose this question before we round this out, because I think unanimously we all agree this is an absolute fucking pile of shit. Um, <laughs> nobody should watch this to this point. This is... I don't it's it's inconceivable that any of the movies after this could get worse, but they do. Um No. Oh my god, Scott Davis. <laughs> I have not seen any of the next wow. three that we're doing, so Oh my gosh, Scott Buckle Davis. Up. Oh my gosh. But um 
I want to pose this this question to the to the panel. What do you think about the use of stock footage? Do you think it's a swindle or do you think that it was an ingenious way to um, make a new movie uh, using footage they already had at their disposal? I'm of the mind that it's a swindle. Angelique? I mean, if you ask Ed Wood, you know, you can do amazing things with stock footage. Um, but it's different. This it is different. It's extremely different. Yeah, um, with this, they didn't make any attempt whatsoever to make it part of the movie at all. Yeah, so they're selling a you a new movie. They're yeah. not selling you um, some other movie that uses like exterior stock footage. Um, to integrate in because they couldn't afford to shoot a helicopter shot of a city. No, they're they're substituting all of the money shots of the puppets, which are the big draw of these movies, with footage you had already seen. So this is a completely different level of uh, of hijinks in my mind. This is a fucking swindle. Yeah, I, in this case, I do agree because it looked horrible. Yeah, it, it didn't even attempt, Mark. Yeah, um, if you want a good example of how to uh, get use out of footage you've already shot or footage that was from one movie that you want to use it in a number, another, I'm going to bring up another series, Phantasm. Yes. If, if you really want an example of how to reuse footage, look at the first two or three Phantasm films. In fact, when I was watching them, I had to ask Derek at one point. I was like, how'd they get this footage for two? <laughs> it's like they just shot a lot of shit when they shot one. This one is it is a ripoff because they don't even try to match it. I mean, if you're going to reuse it, at least try to find things. I mean, at one point, gesture, his costume changes within the same you know, yep. it's supposed to be same yes. time period, like three times. Plus one time he's they, they got a shot from three where you've got wrecked building behind the gesture. I'm like, what? The <laughs> it's <laughs> not even remotely close. No, it's not. It's it, so if done right. I don't have a problem with it, especially with lower budget, you know, se- sequels in that. But in this case, it's a complete like bullshit use yeah i oh my god glenn do you do you find this completely insulting it's absolutely insulting i mean it'd be less insulting if it was stock footage actually did anything (laughs) (laughs) but it's it's mostly just stock footage of blade just kind of like standing there going moving his knife but kind of like just barely i'm like what the fuck what is the point of any of this I mean, the whole movie's a swindle. It's not just the stock footage. This whole thing is kind of an insult to, you know, the the fact that, well, you guys watch Puppet Master here. We're just going to, you know, shit in a box and have Pinhead sit on top and you'll buy it. <laughs> really? I, I couldn't agree with you more. That's how I felt about this thing, Seth. Yeah, there's so little care put into any of it that it's just it's offensive in a way. I don't have a problem with stock footage being used, but they didn't even try. You know, like everyone said, the backdrops don't match up. There's no point to most of the stock footage. They could have done that with off-screen little action figure type movements, but it's the whole thing is kind of just bullshit to 
you know, get it done as fast as they can, as cheap as they can, and not in a good way. Dan, yeah. look, using stock footage, I mean, it's okay. I get if it's done properly, if it's done, I actually find it the dichotomy of it is I think is fucking brilliant. I mean, I don't know how to do I don't know how to make a movie. And whenever you are clever enough to use old stock footage to weave it in to make a new movie, that's cool. But not this movie because this movie is a travesty. This movie is just, yeah, it's just like you said. It's we'll, we'll just take a dump on some film, roll it up, put it in the can, ship it off, distribute it, and we'll just say it's Puppet Master when in reality it's just a big turd. And but it doesn't matter because they'll buy it. It's whatever. It's just it's almost sad. This is one of those kind of like whenever as a kid and for. Molly Hatchet fans do not get offended, but one of those things growing up, whenever you realize you don't judge a book by its cover and things aren't always what they seem. And my first reaction is that time when I saw a Molly Hatchet cover and I was like, this is the baddest fucking album cover I have ever seen in my life. And then you listen to it and it was like, this is the most horrible, awful shit I've ever heard in my life. This movie is like that. You see Puppet Master, it's like, oh, fucking A, this is so cool. When you watch it, it's like, oh, my God, what the fuck? It's just it's terrible. And it it's sad. As a kid, it's disappointing. Growing up, I understand it doesn't make it, any, it, doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it any better. And it's still a piece of shit. Just, it's just sad, you know, because you can clearly see that line when Full Moon just started plummeting. <laughs> Awful. Subspecies uses the stock footage of the little subspecies things that Radu does, but at least they were used it in the same general location, the same general setting, sometimes in the same room. So, you know, they had used that stock footage before it's full moon. You know, I'm kind of used to that. That's one of those things I would just, that's a full moon quirk. This movie is a full moon fart and it's just (laughs) terrible. Oh my gosh, Scott. Stock footage. You know, especially if you're dealing with low-budget cinema, it can be used creatively. Sometimes it needs to be used out of necessity. But when it is this gratuitous and this shoddy, yeah, it's a swindle. It, it just they, – they didn't care how it fit in there. They just fit it in there. And I still say that it was one – this was like a – this film just reeks of desperation where at this point – Full Moon was not being distributed by Paramount anymore, so their budgets were cut severely. Their production schedule was far more erratic. They needed something to bring in some income, so they did this, but they couldn't afford to shoot any new footage. And they, you know, they put it together in the most, you know, ramshackle way. So, so unfortunately, what you wind up doing is you try to release a product to get money from your core audience so you can continue to give them product but it's you kind of wind up you know screwing over your core audience when you do it this poorly you could tell paramount no longer distributes them because we have leech woman back but she never once in this film hurls a leech well because they doesn't do anything she stands still i know the stock footage because they would have to sh- show what the leech going on to a chest, and the chest wouldn't match any of the actors. It didn't matter. So background didn't match. So who the yeah. fuck? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't stop the rest of the movie. 
You're telling me they couldn't match Tank's wonderful man chest with the chest from uh, the Kinky Psychic? Come on, you could match that. Oh my gosh, this this movie, <laughs> it's. Uh, I don't even know what to just, uh, to put a cap on it. The title doesn't even make sense. Curse of the Puppet Master. We were cursed by having to watch it. Yeah, that's about it. Let's let's put a nail on the coffin of this episode. Let's curse the Puppet Master easily. I'm not even going to... I think every, everyone that's listening should know by now. We recommend that you actively avoid this. Don't give a single red cent to this movie. Um, it's a pile of fucking garbage <laughs> that doesn't need, it's not even in continuity with anything. It doesn't, the, the story doesn't belong in the timeline whatsoever. It's kind of like an offshoot, like it's a standalone. The, it's, the it's the Highlander two of puppet master. <laughs> <laughs> so skip it. And there we go, folks. Another Puppet Master episode down the drain. I'm going to warn you. The next two episodes we're going to do of these Puppet Master movies are going to be rough. Yeah, there's two more episodes. We have, but I'm going to do them in a way that's kind of breaking up the continuity of when they were made only because, um, there is a trilogy that they are making currently that I would like to keep in one episode. So what the next episode is going to be, we're going to do um, retro puppet master puppet master, the legacy and puppet master versus demonic toys. That will be the next episode that we will do. And then the last episode I'm crossing my fingers because it's going to be in two months that we'll have um, the newest puppet master out for that. If not, we'll have to do uh, an appendage to that episode is um, the Axis series, which is um, Axis of evil Axis rising and Axis termination, I believe is the newest one uh, that's supposed to be coming out. So two more episodes and man, if you thought curse of puppet master was rough, <laughs> You better fucking pull up your skivvies and really hunker down. Get that bottle of whiskey because, man, it's about to get a lot more dark. (laughs) Almost to the point where Puppet Master the Legacy is entirely a clip show. Mm. Yeah. Get your saw blade dingling ready. Yeah. So prepare, folks. It's going to get to be a doozy in here. So this is the point in the show where my guests shamelessly, shamelessly, shamelessly shield the fuck out of you. So, folks, tell my fine listeners where they can find you when you're not gracing them with the curses of the puppet master. Angelique Bone. Well, you can find me on Facebook. I'm not that hard to find. Um, you can also hear me on uh, another of the Astro Radio Z family of shows, The Film Jerks. Uh, we just released episode four on The Rock, so give that a listen. Um, you can also find some movie reviews from myself and some real funny cats at thelosthighway.com. Mr. Mark the Movie Man. 
Yeah, you can find my stuff at specialmarkproductions.com on YouTube, uh, Special Mark Production YouTube channel. You can find me on the Twitters at MovieManiac3D. And you can also see uh, some of my other reviews on We Live Entertainment. Uh, dot com for some written reviews i actually write occasionally otherwise i do horror thursdays on their youtube channel for we live entertainment and i do the movie man's movie minute on uh, galactic netcasts seth you can find me at uh, celluloid terror on youtube facebook twitter instagram celluloid terror.blogspot.com for all sorts of horror exploitation and cult Reviews and news. Mr. Scotty D. You can catch my web series Movieocrity at Vimeo.com slash channel slash Movieocrity. It's all about exploitation film. And you can also read my reviews and catch up on the podcast and all that other stuff at Movieocrity.com. I do update it. It's not always completely up to date, but, you know, like the saying says... Do you want it done Tuesday or do you want it done whenever the hell I feel like it? <laughs> so there it is. Okay. <laughs> com, folks. <laughs> oh, Glenn. Well, I, for one, I'm going to shamelessly trip myself. So that in mind, you can find me on the Facebook with Guy in a Bunker and B-Movie Bunker. Find me on the YouTube with B-Movie Bunker and Guy in a Bunker Productions. Or follow me on the Twitter at Guy in a Bunker. You son of a bitch. <laughs> that was beautiful. Oh my god, now I gotta keep that flub in there. You fucker. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And last but not least, Mr. Daniel Edenfield. Oh, you dirty rat, you stole me joke. I just thought about that too. We're gonna shave the so you can fucking find Nah, that was great. That was brilliant. I don't know. Fuck. Uh, well, I'll be. Looks like I'll be on Astro Radio Z. So, but you, thing. Nightkeep.com. Fuck it. That's where you'll find me. Nightkeep.com. <laughs> now I don't feel bad about making you guys watch Puppet Master: The Legacy coming up in a future episode. You fuckers. Uh, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's say good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Strangle for you bastards. <laughs> <laughs>find Astro Radio Z on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, YouTube, and anywhere that podcasts are found. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and email us questions, concerns, or just general chatter at astroradiozpodcast at gmail.com. Coming from me, Derek Carey, thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.